All right, Annie, let's get this show on the road, my friend. Um, I know you got a flight to catch. You're heading out to Nicaragua. And again, I'm very jealous. You seem to be vacationing a lot more than me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's, let's, get, let's get into this. Uh, as a reminder, and for those who are new, you know, Andy and I are both um, past and present advisors. So we're just looking to provide value. We want to give back. We want to make sure that everyone walks away with some, some good strategies and ideas that they can use in their practice be it with plans well leads or their own leads. You know, the whole purpose of this is just to make you a better advisor and get you more business. And in so doing, we use real life experiences, um, either the ones that Andy and I have had our, on our own or ones that we get the privilege of being shared at some of the plan craft meetings, which you might get into as well, where it's a peer to peer group, real people providing the real strategies that is actually working. Now, you know, Andy, you've been doing this for quite a while now with plans well, you know, any, any like opening tips that you can start with? Yeah. Check your ego and fear at the door. You know, that's, uh, and, uh, and don't put a limit on what you're capable of. Right. I mean, you know, when I started, when I started at Plansville, it was a complete departure from what I'd done all my life. You know, I hadn't been in the client facing role. I was always the guy in the background doing operations. And I had that, real desire to change and do a job that I really could feel good about. And, you know, those advisors who've heard me say it before, I'm a big believer that you get what you want in life by helping other people get what they want. And that's why this industry was just perfect. And no matter how terrified I was, this was something I really wanted to pursue. And thank God I did. It only took me 49 years to find my dream job. You know, I love that, Andy, and uh, I'm very passionate about the advisor role. I think we, well, two things. One, we provide an, an unbelievable service and um, value to society in general. Uh, on the downside, I don't think advisors themselves realize how important role they play. And I know you want to talk about uh, the why. And, you know, for those who have watched Simon Sinek's why, it's highly recommended that we do that. This, this happens to be my why, and I'll kind of explain how this ties in. So now I've gone from, you know, managing clients to coaching other advisors. So my why now is to inspire and empower financial advisors to unleash their potential and improve humanity worldwide. Not just, not just for today, but for generations. Now that may seem like almost like too big, but if you think about the role of an advisor, Andy, and I'm gonna pass it over to you in a second, but sometimes we look at what we do and we just, we minimize it in the sense like, oh yeah, we're gonna save in taxes, right? okay, they're going to retire a little bit sooner. But a lot of times we don't even recognize the value and the impact that we provide on people and their families. So it's not just about saving the money. It's about allowing them to retire with dignity. It's about passing on the legacy. So when I say improve humanity, a lot of times when you improve a household's or a, or a couple's life, you're also improving their parents' life because maybe the parents didn't save money, they need healthcare, and now you put your clients in a position to be able to help their parents, right? Or the next generation, their kids, their grandkids, right? whether it's life insurance or providing legacy, whatever it is. So it's absolutely, you're helping a lot more people than just your clients. And it's not just them, it's their kids and their grandkids and hopefully their, their grandkids' kids. So Andy, I know you had a lot to say about, about why in general, and I think that's so important and I'd love for you to share. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think a part of my why is, is is also educating people on other things because I know a lot of time when somebody imparted information onto me, it it changed my life. 
either by giving me a different perspective or gratitude or appreciation for certain things. And um, I think there's, there's never a time where you can ever have too much of that, you know, and, and it's about abundance. And so, you know, my why is, is really about that of helping people because I know how good it makes me feel to do that. And, you know, let's face it, the why is really your purpose, right? Your fundamental belief. It's really the driving force for or behind all that you do. And for me, that really taps into desire, which I think desire is one of the most motivational things as well, right? I mean, we all, you know, every waking moment of our lives is spent in either trying to gain pleasure or trying to avoid pain. And I would prefer to spend my effort and energy and time in the pursuit of pleasure than avoiding pain. <laughs> pursuit of happiness, right? So that's right. I would encourage every single advisor on this call right now to really, um, well, if you need help, I mean, do uh, on YouTube, Simon Sinek has a couple of really good, uh, I, I hate to call them a training session, but effectively gives you the step-by-step -step process on how to create your own why. And that really is an eye-opener. And I think it'll provide you with a lot of focus to do a better job in your career. So hey, let's talk about some ways to help advisors on really the whole process on how to get somebody on the phone to the point of actually closing clients. So improving connections. Um, do, you want, do you want to walk us through some of these? Yeah, uh, you know, the triple dial, I think, was eye-opening. And for those of you who haven't watched the um, Mike Casey interview, that was very informative because here's a guy who's tried everything before and, and you know, Planswell was a revelation for him. Uh, but the thing he shared was that triple dial. Um, I think that's really key. You know, and what that is, is calling a prospect. And this works for clients as well. Calling them. If they don't answer, call them again. If they don't answer, call them again. And if they don't answer, then a voicemail or text or email to follow up. That really, you have to think about it and internalize. If somebody called you that you didn't know or recognize the name, you probably dismiss it. But a second time, eh, your curiosity is getting tweaked a little bit here. A third time, you know, it, curiosity is going to get the better of you and you're going to pick up that phone. Well, the same thing works when you're calling leads as well. And we've already heard back from a lot of advisors who tried it. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the Maramos, but some of the comments are like, I can't believe this works, but it works. Um, and, and, you know, it's all about efforts. I've said it a million times, fortune's in the follow-up. Well, the fortune is also in the initial connection or the, the cash is in the connection. I don't know. I just made that up, but um, I think that's really important. And text messages is just sort of that next evolution. Now it's harder to ignore a text, right? Emails get washed in an ocean of other emails, right? Everybody's vying for that same attention, but a text message is so quick. And also there's that knee jerk reaction, especially in this environment of instant gratification, you see a text pop up, you're almost addicted to looking at it and responding to it um voice and video messages uh i love that part that video message because that's something different it's creating that wow factor and separating you from everybody else separating you from the crowd we've all seen those graphics where there's images of a bunch of bodies and then one person's in yellow and you immediately look at that person or that image it's no different here doing something different 
is good. Immediate follow-up. Well, we all know timing is everything, right? And there's statistics that show that 80% of people are more likely to engage with a follow-up right after they've done something, whether it's filling out a form or leaving a message or show, going to a, attending to a seminar. That's when you want to keep that conversation going and keep that momentum going as well. I'm sure there's some kind of Newton's law of, of motion and attraction that I could sound really uh, educated on by saying right now, but I know it's there. And lastly, we talk about Friday afternoon. That's when people are trying to fill that time before they can clock out at 5 p.m. So that's a great time to be reaching out um, before the weekend. And people tend to be in a good mood because they know the weekend's coming and much more open to the possibility of a conversation. Yeah, that's, Hopefully that's, that's what you're looking for, Aramos. No, it was. I, it absolutely 100% was. And um, especially the last two I would add as well, uh, those are field tests in the sense that we've heard from many other partners and advisors that the best time, well, the two best times to follow up Sorry, the two best times to make a connection is immediately as soon as you get the email from Planswell saying that your prospect has filled out a plan because it is immediate. So like a seconds from the time they hit submit, you're actually getting it in your inbox. So if you are there when that inbox hits or that email hits your inbox and you pick up the phone call, you may actually still get that prospect while they're still on their computer finishing off their plan or, or still looking at their plan. That would be the absolute best time to get a hold of them because it's right in front of them. Everything's fresh in their mind. They know exactly why they made the call. They know exactly why, why plans well. So that's the best way. But of course, that's not realistic because we don't expect anyone to be chained to their emails. But Friday afternoon, we've heard from many people again, is the absolute best time. It seems to be a sweet spot. I'm not suggesting that that's the only time you make calls. But if you're going to pick a time throughout the week to make calls, it seems like Friday afternoon for the reasons that you mentioned, Andy, seem to be a really good and effective time block to uh, make phone calls and connect with people. Yeah, and somebody just posted the weekends. That I, I've done that as well uh, too, right? And uh, anyway, I, I think this next part is really tapping into, and I guess you and I both are just huge fans of Simon Sinek because he talks about the what, the uh, sorry, the why, the how, and the what, and this is really the how part that we're covering right now, whether we intended that or not, um, this is important. Yeah, so now we've, we've managed to get a hold of them now. Now the question is, how do we get them engaged? How do we get them to start talking or keep talking? Because we know the more they talk, the more likely we're gonna get the positive outcome of booking that meeting. So do you wanna talk about rapid report? Yeah, absolutely, and this, ties into we've we've I'm sure there's I think it's I got it right Aramos how to how to win people and influence people or I, the Dale Carnegie book and he talks about to be interesting be interested and um, this is really key here because I think depending on what your personality is you might think you're not good on the phone or good on the phone or charismatic or not charismatic or maybe you think you're not that interesting everybody has interest things that are interesting about them and part of getting somebody to like you is finding out what and showing interest in what is important to somebody else and that's part of that rapport building and it's it's kind of a give and take and you know I there's a a, a famous um like she does TED Talks this uh, Vanessa Vaughn Edwards best-selling book of 
uh, Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People. And she talks about you are in direct control of how interesting a person you are. And part of that is by asking interesting questions, but also sharing interesting things about yourself. Instead of just talking about the weather or some, something that's very generic, share something about yourself that shows your true colors, that's something that somebody can gravitate towards. And the more that you ask somebody, the more you share about you that are interesting, the more people are gonna open up about them. It's this taps into that reciprocity, right? Um, you know, she talks, really, sorry? I was gonna say, I, just, I think it really shows that you're a human and that helps with the connection with the other person in line, right? Yeah. And the one thing that, I, that really stuck out about Vanessa Von Edwards is saying that interestingness and laziness are inversely proportional. She calls it the lazy law, right? Don't get lazy with being personable, right? This is the key. And that's what rapport is all about. Getting somebody to feel comfortable. Comfort breeds trust. And trust turns into clients, right? They Absolutely. like you. They trust you. They're going to do what you say. And the, be the best part about it is they're going to tell other people about you as well. Um, so I think this is really um, a, a really key part here. Think about what's interesting about you, whether it's something on your bucket list, whether it's a hobby that you have, whether it's you're a cat person, what you ate for breakfast and how did it make you feel? I know they sound ridiculous, but trust me, it works. And it makes, you it makes you different than somebody else that's just reading, you know, some telemarketing thing that's absolutely generic. Yeah. And Andy, I would, I would argue that asking great questions creates great answers, which will forward that conversation. So make sure you're asking open-ended questions, not yes, no questions. And some of the ones that people are using with very good success is why plans well and why now? So in other words, you know, you've, they've just filled out a plan, whether it's immediately or whether it was a week ago, it doesn't really matter. The point is they spent the time and they fill out the questionnaire for a reason. What was that reason? And that is a really good question to ask them because that usually opens them up as to why. And here's the best part. The answer to those questions is their hot buttons. That's their pain points. They're, they're, they're literally giving you the answers or at least the questions to the exam and how can you fill an exam when you already know the questions in advance? So if they said, so you ask the question, why plans well, and they tell you that I'm worried about retirement, or I'm worried I'm not going to have enough money, or I pay too much taxes, or whatever it is. Well, guess what? They've just given you what they're looking for. And as long as you can provide the solution to what they're asking for, you got yourself a client, or at least you got a shot at it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, for those of you on, on the call you know, I, I've said this before, and I'm sure I'll say it again. I was absolutely terrified when I started at Planswell, and I was terrible on the phone because I was always worrying about what am I going to say next? Am I going to ask the right questions? Am I going to sound important and, and that somebody should trust me right away and realizing that's not how it works. The great thing about asking questions is the pressure is off of you of what do I say next? Because that person's going to, to your point just now, going to tell you what you should be talking about. 
And what's great, and we've all learned this in our lives, I'm sure, the more you do something, the easier it is to keep doing, right? The more, the, you know, all of us starting in this industry, like we probably all had fear when we were first having that client meeting and, oh my God, I'm going to say the right thing. And am I going to lose this? You know, am I going to forget to ask for the business? But we get better at it as we're doing it. And that's creating those habits, which we did that other webinar on that really is what gets you to your goal, right? Is creating those habits that turn into just auto, autonomic responses, automatic responses, and that you feel comfortable doing it, right? And, you know, I kind of think action is that fuel of getting comfortable with things, getting outside of your comfort zone, right? And uh, I think that's what's really key here. And, you know, action allows you to shift or pivot because you've already got that momentum you know it ignites motivation you know you think about you know i'm sure Amos, you've had the, those days i have them where i don't feel like doing anything but i'm like okay i'm just gonna do i'm gonna get on my computer for 15 minutes right that's it that's all i'm committing to four hours later i've knocked out everything that i had to do because i started that momentum of doing that thing you know, action establishes credit, action shrinks failure, right? If I'm doing things and learning things all the time, likelihood is I'm going to have less failure, not that failure is the worst thing anyway. It creates your now. And you kind of talked about the now in your earlier slide today, right? There's that awesome saying, a year from now, you will wish you started doing this today right? What are you waiting for? Andy, on, on that point, the, Ty's asking the question, at what point do you ask a question like, what did you eat for breakfast? And that's part, that's on the script, right? It's you share that first. So, you know, I may say to, to, you know, Hey, Hermos, how's it going? It's, it's Andy from, or sorry, it's Andy calling regarding plans. Well, how you doing? And you're like, I'm good. And I'm like, usually somebody will say back, how are you doing? And I'm like, I just ate a Big Mac and I don't know if it's the chemicals or just invokes a childhood memory, but just puts a smile on my face. Aramos, what, I don't know, do you have a food that just makes you in a good mood regardless of what's going on? You know, and you're like, oh, fresh baked cookies or whatever. Boom, I'm already sharing and you're gonna feel obligated to share something about me. And that may take the conversation in a completely different angle. And I've had advisors say to me, well, what happens if you open this whole conversation? What, how do I get back to the script? Or do I go back to the script? And I'm like, no, the whole point of the script is to be building that rapport, right? And so if you're riffing with somebody on the phone and having a great conversation, when you present the opportunity to speak again, to now put their whole life together and add value to them and reach their goals, what do you think they're gonna say, Aramos? Could be 100 open to it, and and speaking 100%. of value, and speaking of value, Andy, you know, the, our our partners are armed with their with their data, their financial data. So what really works well to get them interested is you know take a good look at their financial plan that was created on Plans Well, and then go back to them with some strategies. So don't just oh look, I got a I got an email from Andy that he, he created a plan, and then you just call him blind. No, you look at the you look at the plan that Andy created. And you look for areas where you can improve. So whether it's saving taxes or 
retiring a little bit earlier. When you start having that conversation with Andy and you get past the whole breakfast thing, and now you start leading into, hey, you know, I've identified two or three or four opportunities for you that I want to go through. Now it also becomes a no-brainer. They're just going to continue having this conversation. So you started with the small talk, and now you're getting into the finance stuff, which is the actual value. And, and then I guess you'll talk about this wedge with the advisor, because this is important too. This is a really good opportunity for every advisor out there right now, because the reality is as much as I'm a huge uh, proponent of financial advice and using financial advisors, I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of advisors out there that really should not be advisors for whatever reason, either they're incompetent in their job or they're just not very good at communicating with clients. But there's a lot of people out there right now that are worried. The markets are down. They have recovered a little bit, but my understanding is I think they're down about another five or 6% for year to date. Inflation is a huge issue for a lot of people. It's top of mind. So a very simple question that you can ask your prospect is, and at this point, and this is what we call a wedge between them and their existing advisor is, you know, Andy, uh, I understand the markets are down. I'm not sure what your portfolio looks like, but what kind of recovery plan has your existing advisor put together for you? And then you just shut up. And of course, what you can get in response is crickets, right? Or inflation is at an all-time, well, 40-year high. I think it's like 8% in the US right now and approaching 6% in Canada. So what, has, what inflation plan has your current advisor put in place to protect you from inflation? And then you just shut up and listen because all you're going to hear is crickets. And what that does is it now it gets them to start thinking, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, the markets are down. Inflation is up. I haven't heard from an advisor in six months. Yeah, maybe I should be talking to this Andy guy, right? Would you agree, Andy? Yeah, 100%. And I think you brought up a great point. And I want to ask this question for the chat. How many agents or advisors that are on this webinar right now have actually landed clients who had advisors previously to you winning them as a client, right? Just because somebody has an advisor does not mean they're getting the best advice. It's why people switch dentists and switch doctors, switch lawyers, right? That's a great opportunity. But something you brought up, Ermos, about having a look at that profile in advance is you can now ask questions that you already know the answer to. And why is that important? Because now you're not shooting yourself in the foot with asking a question that leaves you like, oh, you know, like if I know somebody's a homeowner or I know they have small children, I already know there's a thread that I can pull on that I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot. And I'm going to be able to bring it around into a conversation. Ermos, I, do you have kids? I, you, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Do you have kids? Right. And then you're going to say yes. Right. I'm like, oh, what are their ages? Oh, what are their names? Boy, girl, whatever. Are they into sports and things like that? How, you know, once again, bringing up a conversation. And if I have kids, I can now relate to it. And I can even bring that around to. So, you know, that's fantastic. You have kids. I remember that time. Have you been thinking about saving for their education? Do you have a plan in place for that? No? Oh, that's definitely something that we can talk about on our next call. What am I doing there? Most, I'm already alluding to the next call very subtly. It's the ascent of close, right? Exactly. You're not going to get the business if you don't ask for it. Exactly. Sometimes we over, sometimes, a lot of times we overcomplicate things. At the end of the day, there's only a handful of objections you're ever going to get. You may get dozens of different variations, but it's only a few. What it comes down to is this. 
at this point, they don't know who you are. They don't know whether or not you can provide value. So they're looking at the situation, whether it's consciously or subconsciously as a risk reward type thing. So if Andy calls me out of the blue and uh, he wants to talk about my finances or whatever it is, I don't know who Andy is. He could be the greatest financial advisor on the planet and I would have no idea that would be the case. So most people are, are analyzing quickly in their mind, is this worth 15 minutes of my time or 30 minutes of my time or whatever time they think this is gonna take, right? So our job as an advisor is to effectively dispel the loss versus the upside, or at least explain to them, listen, uh, if I could save you in 15 minutes of your time, if I can save you X amount of taxes, would it be worth 15 minutes of your time? Or if I could get you to retire five years earlier or retire with more money, again, is it worth 15 minutes of your time? So don't be afraid to create what I call a clear and specific guarantee. Now, careful with the words here. The guarantee is I promise to show you two ways to save thousands of dollars in taxes and two ways to retire earlier than what you're currently on track for. Would that be worth 15 minutes of your time? That's a very difficult, it's very difficult for them to say no to that because they're going to want to know. But here's the best part. Once you've piqued their interest, you may want to maybe just give them one of the ways that you can save them money and tell them if they want to find out the other two or three ways to save money, it's more appropriate that I get more detailed data, if you want to say, and certainly we'll book a follow-up meeting so I can be better prepared and actually present something to you. And this is a very easy way to get them from just a phone call to an actual formal meeting. This works extremely well. So this comes back down to effectively showing them value so they actually want to book that second meeting. Would you agree, Andy? Yeah, 100%. And that's why I love saying, you know, based on what you've told me, we definitely should speak again. Because it's almost, it's almost using their own social proof to prove what the next step should be, right? Well, Ermos, you told me all these things about you. Based on that, we absolutely should talk again. Would you agree? Right? And now, yeah, and now it's you kind of saying, yes, of course, right? Yes, I agree. If you could save me on these things and also understand something, action and activity slows down time. So to what Ermos is saying, you can literally ask somebody, do you have a minute, a minute to have me show you these things? And trust me, if they're interested, you could still be talking to them 30 minutes later. They're not looking at their watch saying, you just said it was 15 minutes. If you're providing value, they'll talk forever, right? They're not worried about the time anymore. That was just a way to get to leave an opening for them to get off the call if they didn't want to talk to you. Have so Andy, confidence. Sorry, Andy, they're not worried about time, but I think we do now because uh, okay. as usual, we start ripping and we're already 30 minutes. So let's kind of get through these last couple of slides quickly. Uh, this is what I would call like a decision tree. Too many times advisors, they call for an appointment and for them, it's a yes, no, right? So they get the appointment, they feel it's a win. If it's a no, then in their mind, it's a loss. The problem is, if you call 10 people, it's not likely you're gonna get a lot of people to say yes to a call uh, to a meeting immediately. So you may feel a little bit dejected at the end of that, uh, whatever time it is that you're making the calls. But if you set yourself up where you have different ways where you can create a win, it's a way to keep in contact with the clients. You're putting the, the, the prospects through a system. 
And it's really good for your ego because at the end of the hour or two hours that you're making the calls, in your mind, you should be getting a lot of yeses. And this is the way it works. So you call initially, Andy, I'm calling to set up a plan. If Andy says, yes, I, I'm interested in, in setting a plan, fantastic. So if it's a yes, you just end the call. Don't talk yourself out of the call or out of the sale. If they say no, then you empathize with them. You know, Andy, I totally understand. We, you, you've never spoken before. You don't know who I am. Um, but what I'll do is I'll send you some more information. But what I'd like to do is invite you to a webinar that I have coming up or whatever event that you have lined up. And, and now you can get a yes to that. And if that's a yes, then you end the call. And if it's still a no, and then you empathize and say, okay, maybe you're not ready yet. That's fine. But what I'd like to do is maybe add you to my newsletter. So now I get another opportunity to get a yes out of Andy. And if that's still a no, at the very least, most people will at least give you permission to follow up in the next two weeks or two months or three months or whatever it is. Because as we know, financial planning is very important, but it's very rarely urgent. A lot of times we get our clients because the timing was perfect for them to actually reach out and actually looking for an actual advisor. So by using this system, you've given yourself four or five ways to get that win as opposed to just looking for an actual an actual meeting. Um, how to improve the closing. I know any of your big proponent of, of telling stories, you know, facts tell, facts tell, stories sell. At the end of the day, if you're saving somebody $5,000 in taxes, it may seem exciting, but what does it really mean? But if you paint for them a story of what they can do with that $5,000, far more effective. Focus on solutions. And Andy, you mentioned this, the whole happiness factor thing. At the end of the day, you know, we as advisors, we're in the dream selling business. Like we, we're, we're painting this picture, this dream of this magical retirement where you get to retire a little bit earlier and you're walking on a beach and you've got all the money you want to spend in retirement. Paint that picture. At some point, when you make that call, someone's going to close someone. Either the prospect's going to close you on why it's not a good idea to set up a following meeting, or you're going to close them on actually having a meeting. What I would say that before I, before I turn it back over to you, Andy, is SW, SW, SW next. And this is something that I taught my advisors over the years. It was so powerful. What that stands for is some will, some won't, so what? Next. Keep in mind, how many actual clients do you need to live a magical life as a financial advisor? Now, of course, it depends on your, your uh, lifestyle. It also depends on where you live. But at the end of the day, for most people, it's between 100 to 150 actual clients, households, will give them that lifestyle they want. So you don't need a ton of clients to have an amazing life. So who cares if somebody says no? Just move on to the next person. I mean, Andy, would you agree to that? Yep, 100%. You can't help everybody. There's lots of sayings, you know, you can't please all the people all the time. So focus on the people that you can and are ready. And timing is everything, to your point. So I love those strategies of acknowledging, all right, it sounds like now's not the right time, but you think it, we can, I can still stay on your radar because listen, getting a second opinion on your financial future is never a bad idea, is it? And you ask for that permission. Um, in terms of you know, the stories and facts and things like that, I'm a big believer that people buy feelings, not features. And I love your point on focus on solutions, but part of that is finding out what the problem is that you have a solution for, right? Because everybody has different problems. But remember what I said at the top of this webinar, every moment is in the pursuit 
of gaining pleasure or avoiding pain. Let's get that person on the phone call to be focused on gaining pleasure. Because when that is the focus, people will talk themselves into doing that thing, right? And I tell clients all the time, everything you do today is either getting you closer to your goals or farther away. Which would you prefer? Yeah. If I asked everybody on this thing, who's going to say, I want to get farther away from my goals? Well, doing nothing is keeping you farther away from your goals. So do you want to chat again? Yeah, exactly. So I did have a question come in. So how do you present to them in the example that, that I gave uh, two ways how they can save taxes while at the same time not giving away strategies where they can take your solutions and go implement it themselves without becoming your client? So that's a good question. And the reality is this. Sometimes you have to show some value uh, before people are willing to move forward. So it doesn't mean give them all your solutions, but it could mean giving them one of the two or three or four solutions that you may have in mind. If you... If you were, were approaching me and you told me that I had four options or four solutions to save me taxes, for instance, um, and you gave me one and told me there's three more, I would absolutely still want to talk to you, uh, even though you've already given me the one. If anything, you've shown me some value without any commitment. So if anything, it would actually make me want to work with you even more, whereas most people are not willing to give anything away until they actually become clients. And I, I think that's a big mistake. And I'm not suggesting we give away the farm, but what I am suggesting is we shouldn't be scared to give away some value um, in explaining and showing their prospect that, that you are the real deal and that you should be working with them or at least considering. Totally agree. I have nothing to add to that <laughs> for once. Uh, there was that one last one. So we're going to end off with this slide here. You know, what is the one small but courageous choice you could make today? It could be something as simple as just picking up the phone and making that one extra call or trying that triple dial method instead of just calling one once and, and, and hanging up and never calling back again. Is there anything you might add to this one, Andy? Yes. Action creates a chain reaction. That's it. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love working with you, uh, Andy. So once again, I want to thank everybody. So we're always looking for ideas, uh, topics, feedback, comments, whatever it is. Uh, feel free to reach out to myself, Aramos at planswell.com. Even if you just have some questions, I'm happy to uh, engage with you. But on behalf of myself and Andy, I hope everyone has a fantastic week. Uh, let's go out there and get them, guys. Uh, we have a very important job to do as advisors. And I think we should go out there and do it with pride. Thank you, everyone. Oh, Aramos, you might want to mention that, that no A&E next week, but the 25th, that's a big one. Oh, yes. Uh, next week, um, Andy, Andy and Aramos Live will not be in effect because it's, uh, it's uh, Easter Monday. But the very following week, uh, we have a very special uh, interview with arguably, um, maybe not so arguably, the most successful person that's been working with plans well. So that's a, you do not want to miss that one. So that's two weeks from today. Uh, we'll be talking to an advisor that's already closed over $10 million just with Planswell leads. So yeah, you get a market, want to, mark, want to mark your calendars for that one. Whew. Got through it. Okay there, Andy. Yep. Nice job. All right, pal. You enjoy your vacation. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful week.